Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Kill Count, the podcast that dissects the deaths in some of your favourite horror movies. Each week we dive into a classic film, from Universal Monsters to Hitchcockian horror to Blumhouse. But to make it a bit more interesting, each episode the team will attempt to remember the number of kills that occur, and vitally the gruesome details of these cinematic slayings. One host, who we like to call the Crypt Keeper, is the only one who knows which film we'll be discussing each week. The two co-hosts will have their knowledge put to the test. So, I'm going to be your Crypt Keeper for this week. My name's Mike, I'm a producer, film journalist and horror podcaster, and joining me to discuss this week's film are my two regular co-hosts. To my left, uh, a person obsessed with John Carpenter and someone who loves all 90s teen slashers, even the bad ones. Hello, Ali. Hello, Mike. Uh, which is your favourite of all of the bad 90s teen slashers? I'm going to go with Disturbing Behaviour. Ooh, good um, choice. Ooh, what a film. <laughs> <laughs> what a film. And to my right, a self-proclaimed B-movie aficionado who ardently believes that The Bird with the Crystal Plumage is and will always be the best film title ever. Dan, hello. Hello, Mike. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, do you think that the bird with the crystal plumage is... Does the film live up to the title? Uh, no. no. <laughs> I don't think any film could live up to that title. It couldn't possibly, could it? Uh, so, this week's film for the Kill Count Challenge is The Invisible Man from 1933. I love this movie. I gave it a rewatch, of course, this week in preparation for this chat, and it's so much fun. And also, very excitingly, uh, there is a remake of The Invisible Man out in cinemas, and I actually got the chance to chat to the director, horror legend Lee Wanell. Uh, so you're going to hear a little bit of that interview later on in the episode. But first of all, let's begin this game of Kill Count. So I'm going to start off by asking you guys to make your guesses. See if you can guess how many kills there are in this movie. You've got one minute to think about it. Off you go. While these two are making their guesses, I'm just going to remind everyone of the rules. So Ali and Dan will both write down how many kills they think occur in The Invisible Man from 1933. I'm then going to go through the film and go through each of the kills one by one. At the end, whoever gets the correct number of kills gets one point. If neither of them get it right, I, as the Crypt Keeper, will get one point. And we're going to keep score across the rest of the season. Okay, have you guys made your guesses? I've made mine. Ali's looking yeah. very unsure. Yeah, no, I've made a guess. I've made a guess. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, let's hear them then. Let's hear them. Uh, Dan, what did you go for? Uh, I went for a nice round 100. 100? <laughs> oh my God. 100. <laughs> uh, mine is a percentage of that. 
I went for 25. Really? Amazing. So both quite yeah. high. Both quite high. Yeah. One, one slightly higher than the other. What, yeah. um, what made you go for 100, Dan? Um, one of the few things I remember about the movie was um, there was a big train crash. Right. And I figured, I tried to calculate how many people you could fit onto a train plus <laughs> any of the other people that died in the movie. Uh-huh. And I thought I'd go for a nice round 100 because you, you know... You can remember it easily. Interesting. Yes. No, I remember that there was something like that as well, mm. but I've just put it at a much lower number. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really small it was, train. It was a very small train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you, and obviously I won't reveal the number yet, but I'll mm. reveal this fact before we go any further, that this is actually the movie with the biggest body count in the horror genre officially, according to most sources that I've read on the internet, which is amazing for a 1933 film. It's the biggest amount of single... Uh, bodies piling up in a single film. So, wow. There I'm you go. rethinking my guess now. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. 25 is still pretty high. It is high. still pretty high. Um, so, let's get into it. Let me ask you as well, briefly, what do you guys think of the film as best you remember? Did you like it? Are you fans? I did like it. Um, I think with those early movies, even just outside of horror, it can be difficult as as a viewer, you know, today mm-hmm. to watch them because uh, some of them really haven't aged that well. But I, I remember digging The Invisible Man um, and it was also quite humorous at times. I felt it wasn't like all that serious, which I enjoyed um, uh, because like if you compare it to um, Frankenstein, that one for me was more difficult. Whereas The Invisible Man, I, I enjoyed more. I don't know if that was the same for you. Yeah, no, I think what also sets this one apart is the special effects, which obviously by today's standards, really uh, dull in comparison. But I think as a film, uh, as a fan of cinematic uh, historical films, this one stands out to me as something that kind of paved the way. So the film, just to give you a bit of information before we get into it, this is uh, based on a book by H.G. Wells. Uh, So it already had a bit of kind of clout, I think, when it came out because it was based on a sort of prestigious novel, a little bit like Dracula and Frankenstein as well. Mm. Um, And this is one of the the famous kind of universal horror movies. Universal were obviously the studio for horror in the decade of the 30s. And this was off the back of the success of films like Dracula and Frankenstein. Uh, The Invisible Man was directed by James Whale, who directed Frankenstein and then went on to do Bride of Frankenstein and a couple of other really iconic universal horror movies. So he was was kind of the master at this kind of thing. Uh, And it stars Claude Rains as Dr. Jack Griffin, The Invisible Man. Uh, Claude Rains, who... I suppose does a lot of voice acting, but isn't actually in the film that much. Uh, But he's great. Uh, Okay, so the film begins on a sort of cold, snowy night in a village in Sussex. And this man, this strange man, walks into a pub demanding a room. uh, And he's covered in bandages. His eyes are obscured by dark goggles. And we've got this kind of really interesting cast of characters. I don't know if you guys remember this kind of odd locals that you get in a pub. It's one of those classic iconic kind of man walks into a pub and everyone stops what they're doing. All the locals kind of look at him a little bit shiftily. Yeah. Uh, do you remember this sort of oh, moment yeah, yeah. in the film? There's some really fun sort of supporting yeah. roles, right? The, yeah, wo- yeah, the woman. Definitely. I remember the old lady yeah. behind the bar. <laughs> She's yeah. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. There's the innkeeper, Mr. Hall, and his wife, Mrs. Hall, who are, yeah, really kind of larger than life characters. Let's leave him a bit, Jenny, till he cools off. Go on, do it now. Him and his goggles at his chemist shop. <laughs> if you don't kick him out, I'm clearing out myself, and that's the truth. And I mean it this time. 
they're very suspicious of this man from the start. This man, I mean, to be fair, Rightly wearing so. bandages covering every yeah. inch of mm. his skin, it does look a bit suspicious. Uh, they give him a room and strange things start occurring in his room. And again, the, the locals, the innkeepers become more and more suspicious. At one point, they walk in on him and he's kind of conducting all these experiments. He's got potions and bottles of things and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So they, they decide they need to get rid of him. Uh, and at one point, Mrs. Hall walks in uninvited and actually catches him taking his bandages off and we we see for the first time this is about 15 minutes in that he is invisible mm. uh, and it's actually a really cool visual effect mm. I don't know if you guys remember it, it looked pretty good it was done by Claude Rains the actor he was wearing a kind of completely black velvet suit that covered all of his skin uh, so as he would take off layers they filmed this in front of a black background so that his you know his features that were invisible would kind of disappear into the background and then they did an effect where they kind of put that film on top of a kind of mat on top of a plate of a shot of the room and kind of merged and spliced them so all pre, together pre-green screen pre-green screen yeah. I guess it's a kind of early version it's like a black screen uh, but it works really well yeah. actually and I think yeah. this at the time was considered really kind of groundbreaking yeah I think when I when I saw this film and I didn't quite know what they were going to do with mm-hmm. the special effects. And I wondered, thinking it was so early, oh, well, they're just going to do a lot of tricks with the way they film it. Yeah. And then they kind of have that. It feels like a big reveal. Yeah. Uh, mm. And you think, oh, wow, no, they've really come to play. And, and this is going to be very visually interesting. Yeah, it's great. Does it ever, does it put you off, like, watching a film this old, Dan, like, when things like the, the effects and the performances are a bit dated compared to now? Um. A little bit. I mean, I have to say with this one, I was really, I remember being surprised, I think, what Ali was saying. Um, it's crazy. Like, it was, 1933. 1933. That, that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know of any other experiments of this nature being done around then, but it mm-hmm. seems pretty groundbreaking Yeah. in the field. Um, and I remember seeing it. And I thought it was like one of these like slightly remastered versions where maybe they cleaned it up. I mean, George maybe, Lucas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> him, yeah. Him specifically. Um, but yeah, it's it is crazy for the time it was made. Yeah, I that yeah. I think it must have been pretty astounding and groundbreaking for audiences at mm-hmm. the time, and uh, and they don't hold back on those effects as well. I no. kind of thought, oh, maybe you'd see it once or twice mm. in the movie. It's really but there consistent. are whole scenes where he's like, we'll get to later, where he's just you know wearing pajamas and nothing else. <laughs> you see this kind of pajama suit running around and everything. It looks great. It's yeah, really cool it does. So these people, these locals, these innkeepers are getting increasingly suspicious, of course, of this invisible man. Uh, and this invisible man, uh, Dr. Griffin, he's he's acting more and more kind of unhinged as the story goes, and he gets more and more dangerous. Uh, and then there is a moment when when all of the locals come upstairs to, to chuck him out of the pub, including this policeman. Uh, he he kind of loses it at that point and starts kind of manically laughing. He starts taking off his clothes, revealing that he is completely invisible and attacks them all and essentially chases them, throwing stuff around the room. An invisible man can rule the world. Nobody will see him come. Nobody will see him go. He can hear every secret. He can rob, break and kill. <laughs> Not if he can't get no further than this room, he won't. You shut the door. He tries to throttle a policeman. The policeman doesn't die, though, so that is not our first okay. kill. No, but I, didn't, he... I didn't put that one. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, he does try to strangle somebody, and he just causes havoc in this village then. <laughs> havoc mm. in a kind of, like, old farce sort of way. So he kind of takes people's hats off and throws a bicycle and uh, does can various I, things like I that. Can I comment on that as well? Because yeah. I think about there's a point where he's riding the bicycle. Yeah. Um, and I just think about the fact that he's naked. 
Yes. Um, yeah. Surely that's uncomfortable for him. Yeah. It just And it's very cold. It's cold outside. It's snowing yeah. in this yeah. film throughout. I think when I think about the fact that he's has to be completely naked mm. uh, to run amok, it just mm. adds a level of hilarity to it. Yeah. That obviously isn't visually available on screen, <laughs> but it's just fun for the viewer still. Do, do they address that? They do, they do. They do. Because he talks about how cold he gets, you know, okay. when he's hiding. There's also some quite gross bits where he, he uh, sort of describes how... He can't go out in public as an invisible man after he's eaten for up to two hours because his food will be visibly digesting in yeah. his stomach. And he has to wait until it passes through him before he can then go out and not be seen as an invisible man, which is pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really ever yeah. think about that with these, invisibility. These are the things you have to live with when these, you're an invisible man. Yeah. These are yeah. the sort of things you've got to, you've got to think about. Um, so then we kind of get a bit of backstory. We we go to uh, his, this doctor, Dr. Jack Griffin. He has a colleague, Dr. Kemp, and he has a fiance called Flora. And we see that the two of them are discussing that, that Dr. Griffin was experimenting with this drug called monocaine and this drug, which is very, very dangerous and not only turns people invisible, but also drives people mad. So that's <laughs> the, the reason why this invisible man is doing what he's doing so he's kind of stuck invisible and also he's slowly kind of losing his mind and becoming more and more dangerous uh so kind of more carnage ensues and i wanted to take this opportunity to ask you guys this is going to be another thing we're going to discuss each week about how you might survive these kind of situations now obviously there's a big scene in the middle of this film where he attacks all of these people in this pub in this country pub in sussex if you were being attacked by an invisible man in a pub how would you survive? I, well, I'm going to say I would grab the nearest uh, bottle of Bailey's, and it's specifically Bailey's because it's. Uh, I was quite it's, thick. It's thick. Yeah. I feel like if you just threw water at him or even like some other sort of spirit, it would, mm. you know, it wouldn't make him visible. Throw Bailey's on him instantly. He's no longer invisible, and then I can just take him on brawl for brawl. You know. Perfect. Perfect. So. Nice. That's Although, what a waste of Bailey's. But I mean, it is. But you know, it's the it's <laughs> the price do. you have to pay for for fighting the invisible man. <laughs> it's, it's true. Dan, what about you? Um, I I don't think I have as thought out a response <laughs> as Ali. Um, my instinct would be to go into a corner because that would limit the angles that he could come at me from. Mm. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. I could maybe get some of the tables and like build a fort around me. Nice. I I wouldn't confront him directly. Maybe offer him a drink. Maybe all Maybe, he really yeah. needs is some conversation. To be understood. Maybe that. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. And then if I die, sure, fine. That's fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's fine. Fine. So add, be it. Add me to the kill count. It's fine. <laughs> uh, lovely. So speaking of, so the Invisible Man then... Uh, he he goes to try and enlist his old colleague, Dr. Kemp, as his accomplice. And he basically has this plan, as all great villains do, to dominate the world through a reign of terror. Uh, and Dr. Kemp is a bit unsure about this, I think, but he's a little bit scared and kind of agrees to help him. He then has to return to this pub to collect his things, the Invisible Man. He goes back into this pub and that's when the kills begin. So there are a whole bunch of police officers in this pub and he commits his first murder. Does anyone remember what the first kill of the film is? I don't. I remember someone falling down the stairs. Is that? That is. That does happen, but they don't die. They don't die. Yeah. No, that's earlier in the film, I think. Okay. I think he kills, I'm going to say he kills a police officer because there's so many of them swarming around, but I don't know how the police officer perishes. 
He, yeah, it is. It is a police officer. Uh, it's kind of unclear, to be honest, exactly how he kills him. It seems like he he kind of throttles him, throws him to the ground, and then just to make sure, he smashes a table over his face. Wow. Um, so <laughs> we see this policeman just kind of collapse to the ground as if he's being strangled, and then this table being lifted on wires and then just dropped on this policeman. Uh, Insult to injury. Yeah. Sure. It's pretty graphic, again, for a 1933 is no. it? Um, I I think it's also because it's pre-code, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so just explain like, what, what what that means. Well, I feel like I forget when the code came into practice. It must have been shortly after this film, like by the late 30s, and it was then that things like more gratuitous violence, uh, homosexuality, more sexual things just weren't allowed to appear on screen. Yeah. But prior to that, yeah. I mean, it was Anything free goes. reign, and they really took advantage of it in this film. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I think like it's so early in film that they hadn't really established mm-hmm. rules or certification or censorship or any of that stuff. So, yeah, this pre-code era was just like anything goes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this probably this may not have been shown a couple of years later, a scene like this in a new film uh, where a policeman is strangled and then bludgeoned to death with a table. So there you go. So that's how, that's how First Kill, we're on one so far. <laughs> Uh, his assistant, Professor Kemp, does, of course, betray him by telling the Invisible Man's fiancée, Flora, the plan. Uh, the Invisible Man finds out and he vows to kill Kemp at 10pm the next evening. I don't know why he doesn't just kill him there and then, but it's quite scary. Yeah. He instead, he, I think start... he wants to put the fear in him. Yeah, yeah. He's playing the long game. He really psychs him out. He just comes to him in his room and says, tomorrow night, 10pm, you will die. That's pretty ominous, isn't it? He's a pretty good villain. He is, actually. He just is having a good time. He is. He's laughing maniacally. He's running around naked. I mean, as far as as villains in horror films go, he is high up there. Yeah. He's pretty good, isn't he? This actor, Claude Rains, is great because, again, he he mainly just has to do a lot of voice acting, but he's got this great kind of plummy English villain voice, doesn't Mm. he? I shall offer my secret to the world with all its terrible power. The nations of the world will bid for it thousands, millions. The nation that wins my secret can sweep the world with invisible armies. I think he was a theatre actor. I don't think he had done much film before this. Um, but and, and I think they were worried initially that he was too big and theatrical for film. But for, Well, he kind of needed to be for He needed to role. be for The Invisible Man, exactly. I think because he wasn't doing kind of subtle film acting here, he was just acting with his voice and running around, you know, half naked in pyjamas or covered in bandages. I think he got away with it. So yeah, he, he, did a, he did a pretty good job. Uh, so then after that, so The Invisible Man says he's going to kill his assistant at 10pm the next evening. And then the next 24 hours are basically a... a a killing spree um, and it's absolute carnage for the next sort of section of the film uh, we see him murder two people in a search party of people in the village that are looking for the invisible man so there's this huge search party of kind of villagers and policemen they're all running around the town all trying to find I don't know how but trying to find this invisible man two of them consecutively are murdered any ideas how? Oh, I well first of all I definitely got that wrong because I only put one <laughs> person Mm -hmm. i remember how they're just thrown off a cliff (laughs) uh, which is what a way to go yeah i remember oh yeah i didn't know there was a second person Mm -hmm. yeah we see we see two thrown off a cliff both of them yeah just one after the other just like one two bam bam um in in addition to going crazy from this drug he seems to have gained super strength yeah as well yeah yeah Yeah. He's very sneaky as well. Like there are moments when he'll just get in the middle of a crowd and just start doing things. It's like, how is nobody noticing? You know. Yeah, I remember a part where he steals money from a bank. Yes. And he's just throwing money around. Yeah. He's giving back to the people. There you are, a 
assistance from the invisible man. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Up and down the city road, in and out the eagle. That's the way the money goes. Up goes the weasel. Money, 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 money. You know, I, th- I think of all of the Universal Monsters, he is the one that had the most fun. Yeah, yeah, but he's the least remembered, arguably. Which is sad, isn't it? Mm. I suppose the monsters were so known for being visual, right? <laughs> <laughs> we all remember the look of Frankenstein and his yeah. makeup and Dracula and people like to dress as them on mm. Halloween or whatever. Although that look with the glasses and the bandages, that is yeah, a really good Halloween It costume. is good. It reminds, is good. Um, and the... And the um, he has like the the coat as well, like a ba- um, what is it, a smoking jacket. Yes. So yes. he's wearing bandages and goggles, and then he's got this really dashing smoking jacket. I mean, that is a look. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, Adam Driver's character dressed up as him in Marriage Story, didn't he? He did. Oh yeah, yeah. he did. There you go. There you go. Still very much culturally relevant <laughs> there, is, the Invisible Man. Uh, who was your favorite Universal sort of monster of that era? Oh, I'm going to say Frankenstein, but not because of the originals, but because I grew up loving young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I kind of, and when I was younger, I used to think young Frankenstein wasn't a comedy because I didn't understand that it was. It was in black and white and people were screaming. And so I used to be really frightened by it. Yeah, it's quite frightening. When I was older, I realized it is completely a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) It is a comedy, but also Mel Brooks really kind of takes the horror seriously, I think. Yes, he does. He He does. Yeah, it's great. Dan, what about you? Favorite monster? I I think, I know it's kind of a boring answer, but Dracula is really good. Mm -hmm. And Bela Lugosi is really good. He's really good. So on that note. He's so iconic, isn't he? I feel Mm. like everyone in the world is almost like born with the knowledge of Dracula and what Dracula is like. like yeah. You could ask a child to do an impression of Dracula and they might go, oh, Dracula. Like it's, yeah. like, it's so iconic. Um, so he's killed two people uh, in the search party. And then we get, as you guys remembered, we get another quite big kill scene. Mm. Uh, tell us again, what is it? It's the big train crash. Yeah, he yes, which is, which really is the the... <laughs> The well, classic, I just, like, I can remember Roadrunner, la- yeah. Looney Tunes, Change the Tracks <laughs> mm-hmm. But he, he's laughing maniacally as he does it. All I remember from this film is a lot of maniacal laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, and then the train crashes the train. down. Yeah. A brutal train derailment. We see the train sort of veer off the cliff and smash its way down the cliff. Uh Cut to then a radio announcement to say that the Invisible Man has killed 20 members of the search party. So there were another 18 that we didn't see. And then 100 people on a train. Oh, man, I should just flip the table now and walk out. (laughs) This is... We're now up to 121 deaths in this movie. Okay. Incredible. So already makes it probably one of the highest body counts in a film. Yeah. Although, is it a cheat that, you a know, bit. he just crashes a train, so therefore... A little bit, a little I think bit. a little bit, but still, <laughs> crashing a train, that's a big deal. Yeah. And you, you're telling me there's, there was exactly 100 people on that train? According to the radio announcer from the film, exactly 100 wow. people. What are the odds? That seems a little yeah. unrealistic. <laughs> seems like an approximation to me. Would you have yeah. preferred it, Dan, if it had been like 119 or 102 yeah, or something? It's like. quite rare to get a nice round number like that, Yeah. Right? Yeah, but that's but... just the way the Invisible Man rolls. He yeah. knew that. Yeah. It was all calculated. It was. Okay. It was. Uh, so there you go. He kills 20 search party members, 100 people on a train. Uh, we're veering into the final act of the film now. And it, 
And we come to 10pm that evening, which is when, of course, Dr. Kemp is supposed to be murdered. He's got a whole plan. Uh, he's trying to escape somewhere to hide. He's in his car, but doesn't realise that the Invisible Man has, of course, been hiding in the backseat of his car. Naked, Naked of course. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just lounging naked in the back of this car for God knows how long. Uh, and it gets to 10 o'clock. He reveals himself. And again, it's so funny. He doesn't just sort of jump out on him and kill him. He reveals himself to be there, chats to him for a bit, tells him exactly what he's going to do to him. Um, it's very flamboyant. Very hmm. flamboyant. In, in that kind of Bond villain way, he reveals his entire plan before he does it. And you kind of think in this moment, okay, how is Dr. Kemp going to escape? Surely he will escape. Like, he's kind of our other sort of main protagonist. And because this has been building up and he's explaining what he's going to do to him, at some point, Dr. Kemp is going to escape, right? No, uh, he doesn't. Uh, he stays in the car. The Invisible Man lets off the handbrake and sends his car off a cliff. Well, goodbye, Kemp. I always said you were a dirty little coward. You're a dirty, sneaking little rat as well. Goodbye. So that's our next kill, Dr. Kemp. His car, very similar to the train, mm. drives off a cliff and smashes to pieces at the bottom. Again, quite graphically. Yeah, yeah. I, I did have this kill. I, I know that I'm wrong already, but I want to note that I did get this kill. Uh, but I do remember this is really graphic. And this is yeah. the moment mm. for me, I, I thought this is like out of a Fast and Furious film, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. It is. It's brutal. Do you remember this moment, Dan? I absolutely do. It's really well done. It is. Isn't it? It is. Because um, I, I just remember, because it goes down a cliff and it bursts into flames and it's it's just shot really well. Yeah. Like surprisingly well for 33. And, yeah. and like thinking about all the films that came in the decade after that, for example, you never saw that kind of brutality on film again, I think. I just, yeah. all the war film, like films that were set over the 40s and even into the 50s, I just think about Alfred Hitchcock even stuff. Yeah. There wasn't anything quite like that until maybe Psycho. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And even then you don't have that much carnage on mass in the same way that you do here. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Uh, so we're up to 122 deaths now, 122 kills. Uh, do you guys remember if there are any more in the rest of the film? Want to take any guesses? Well, I'm going to say the, that the Invisible Man himself meets his demise. Man. The Invisible Man. Anyone else before that? I don't think so. I feel like Kemp was the penultimate kill. Maybe a sneaky little police officer, maybe, but I don't think <laughs> sneaky so. Sneaky little police yeah. officer. <laughs> little sneaky they, police. They, they are like pretty join, sneaky. They join hands. Was this before he gets out? <laughs> they make this perimeter around his house, joining hands. Yeah. It's um, a really bad plan, the police were like, yeah, it is. They, they, they are very bumbling detectives they are, types, aren't they? They are. They're like comedy police constables, aren't they? It's mm. amazing. It's very it's very camp, actually, mm. this film, isn't it? Mm. it is, it's very kind of high camp and theatrical. Uh, yeah, you're talking about the moment when I think they surround a building that they know he's in mm. and they think, how are we going to keep this invisible man in? So they all just stand in a line and join hands and kind of set their feet apart as well. Yeah. So it's almost like they're playing British Bulldog or something or whatever it is. And and yeah, trying to keep him in. And then the poli uh, the Invisible Man kind of messes with them by kind of lifting up their legs. And, he's having um, so much fun. He's having so much fun. <laughs> and I'm having fun watching him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Invisible Man, he's killed Dr. Kemp. He's, he's, his killing spree is almost complete. He then goes and seeks shelter in a barn in, a, in the middle of a snowstorm. Uh, and there's a farmer there who notices... 
in his seemingly empty uh, barn, he suddenly hears some snoring and he sees a kind of indentation in some hay. He's like, oh, maybe this is that invisible man that everyone's talking about. So he tells the police and the police, the comical police once again, turn up at this barn and they surround the area. Uh, But this time they kind of have the elements on their side uh, because as the invisible man wakes up and tries to escape, do you know how they catch him? How they spot him? Do you remember? The snow? Yes. yes. I was remembering fire. Mm -hmm. I was like, how do they catch him with that though? Yeah, no, you're right. First of all, they set fire to the barn in order to lure him out. I see. And then they see the footprints in the snow. Mm. Uh, Shoot him and kill him. So that is the next kill. It is, as you guys predicted, the invisible man himself. And then the last scene of the movie is him kind of on his deathbed with his... uh, his weeping fiance at at his side and he slowly becomes visible and that's the first time we actually see Claude Rains the actor see his face good looking guy uh, <laughs> lying there dead in bed uh, and that's how the movie ends my darling I failed I meddled in things and man must leave alone Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, 123 kills in Not total. Not like you'd expect. No. You know, I mean, we talk about some really famous horror films from later decades, and it's a body count of three to five. Yeah. It but is. they went hard in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. They weren't taking any prisoners. It's no. really tricky. And I did think when I watched this, I was like, when I was thinking about playing this game, I was like, is this fair to include the hundred people that die on the train? Oh, yeah. But it is. Um, yeah. And, and it's a good movie to kick off this show with in a way that it is, you know, known as one of the highest body counts in any movie ever, yeah. which is quite interesting. Now, very excitingly, there is actually a remake of The Invisible Man. There is a new Invisible Man out now. Uh, have you guys had the chance to see it yet? I haven't, but Not yet. I'm happy to. I'm interested. Very exciting. Do you think it will have a body count as big as this one? I mean, this one's pretty hard to top. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it, it ain't no pre-code film. 
No, know? exactly. Very I, much post-code. I hope it will be higher, but I don't think it will be, sadly. But I'll still watch it. Absolutely. It's, well, it's definitely worth a watch. And I got the chance to sit down and chat to the director, Lee Wanell. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Lee Wanell is quite a big name in, in horror. He's made a bunch of stuff this last sort of 10, 20 years. He was one of the writers and the star of Saw, uh, and he is also the director of this new Invisible Man. So I had a little chat to him about the new movie and also his relationship and his history with this movie, the original. Uh, so here is my chat with Lee Wanell. I am very excited to welcome writer and creator of the Saw franchise. He's also the creator of the Insidious franchise and director of Upgrade and the new Invisible Man movie. Lee Wanell, welcome to Kill Count. How are you? I am so good. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the Invisible Man. Thank you. We specifically, actually, in preparation for your Invisible Man, have been rewatching the original 1930s okay. Invisible Man. Uh, first of all, let me ask you a, a bit about your opinion on that one. What's your kind of history with the Invisible Man, the original do you remember when you first saw it you know i don't think i watched the film in its entirety until this project came about like uh -huh. i i sat i think i'd seen pieces of it over the years i actually would be more familiar with modern iterations of it like the hollow man or um, yeah you know memoirs of an invisible man that john carpenter film i was a huge john carpenter fan and also his place in pop culture like i think the first time i really became obsessed with these classic monsters is when I pretended to be sick one day when I was about seven years old, six or seven. Uh, my parents bought it hook, line and sinker. They let me stay home from school. And I then turned on the TV as I always did. And the midday movie, they used to do this thing in Australia. I'm not sure if they did it in the UK, but you'd have a movie at 12 that it would be presented. It would be like Bill Collins presents. <laughs> There'd be some fuddy duddy critic like, yeah. And uh, it was mad monster party, which is a stop motion uh, animation about all those classic monsters, Dracula, the Invisible Man, oh, wow. the Wolfman, getting together for a party, hence the title. Excellent. And that movie kick-started a little obsession with those monsters. It was the first time that I really came into and even just seeing like the Frank Langella version of Dracula, remember that? Yes. That oh, was yeah. the I think it was I don't think it was made for television, but it was like a I saw it on TV. And I remember being really frightened by one of the scenes in the movie. That something so exotic about a, a uh, about Dracula's cold sort of <laughs> attitude towards human life, and and so early on, I, I would say that my obsession wasn't specific to the Invisible Man. It was about all those monsters. Mm. It was that whole group. It was you know the Wolf Man, you know Frankenstein. Yeah. That's really where my interest stopped and started. It was about the history of horror. What's really interesting that I found when looking up on this film is that it's actually considered to have the highest body count in any single horror film. Did you know this? Because of the train. Yes, because of the train. Because there were over 100 kills in it, technically. Yeah. Do you think that counts, though? Because they're all killed I, in the train, I right? I think it does. I yeah. mean, it's kind of macabre for the time, yeah. if you think about what was yeah. allowed then. And it was groundbreaking special effects for the time. Mm. You know, the things that they were doing, the way they had to do those sort of effects back then. Yeah. It was like the ingenuity that you had to display to get anything close to that. Yeah is incredible and um i think it was just groundbreaking in a lot of ways i think it was the first it was almost it was one of the first real character studies of madness of of a of a descent into a psychiatric breakdown you know before psycho before you know psychopaths like hannibal lecter became ubiquitous what what separates the invisible man from those other classic monsters and and this is what makes him interesting to me is that 
all those other monsters are not human. Yeah. There's something otherworldly about them, but the invisible man is just a guy Yeah, who has this power. So it's just a psychopath. You could almost call it the first serial killer movie with this mm-hmm. supernatural element. So there's a, a lot that's really culturally interesting about it, even though the original film by today's standards, it's not going to hold up in, it's not going to, a bunch of modern teenagers would not be hiding under their chairs watching <laughs> that film. Yeah. But that's only because we live in a different time with different viewing habits and it's impossible to view that film through the prism of today. And that original Invisible Man, you know, he runs around, he causes havoc, he chases people in his pyjamas, he steals bicycles, steals the bike. he steals hats. Um, it's safe to say I think this is a different kind of Invisible Man. What kind of updates uh, did you kind of give to this character in for a 2020 audience? I felt that the movie should be about his victim. To fear something in a movie, you have to see that threat through the eyes of the person who's scared. Yeah. If you if you were to make the Invisible Man the central character of this movie, I'm not sure I, I don't know about other filmmakers, but speaking for myself, I'm not sure that I could make that scary. I'm not sure what I would do. I mean, it might be disturbing, you know, in a way, but disturbing wasn't what I was going for. Um, I was going for something that was like just filled with terror, something that made you feel like, this person was out your window. This person was in the room with you, yeah. you know? So immediately that makes the main character someone else, you know? Um, you obviously wrote Saw, one of the movies and one of the franchises that has some of the most kind of elaborate and inventive and creative kills. Um, I wondered, what is your... Do you have a... Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what your favourite single kill scene is in any horror movie. Oh, man. I really do love the scene in The Thing when he's got the defibrillator out on the guy and the, his stomach opens up and kind of bites the guy's hands off. That whole scene is great. But I think probably the most iconic, it's got to be the chest burster from Alien. Like oh, that yeah. scene, it's going to go down in the history books. It's, it's you know, you, you have other amazingly iconic kill scenes, you know, the shower scene from Psycho, of course. But the chest burster is... Um, so primal. I mean, can you imagine watching that film in theaters when it first came out? I think it, I think I was probably two years old when that film first came out. But audiences had never seen anything like that. Yeah. Now, now the chestburster is part of pop culture and everybody knows about it. But imagine watching it for the first time and not knowing that it was coming. Yeah, it would be like a sledgehammer to the face. And I'm always trying to recreate that feeling. I want to give audiences the same feeling that audiences had back when they first watched Alien. Like, can I do it? Can I shock them that much? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to finish with a little game here. This is a a, a little uh, challenge that we do. Um, Again, speaking of kind of kill counts, um, I'm going to ask you uh, which of your films has the greater amount of kills in it and and test your memory on some of your films. And this includes films that I've written, not just directed. Exactly. Okay, let me think one second. (laughs) I'm going to give you a choice of two and then you're going to say which is higher. Okay, first of all, Saw or Insidious, which has the greater kill count? Saw. Correct. Saw 1 or Saw 2? Saw 2 has the bigger kill count. It does. Saw has 6. Saw 2 has 8. Okay. Saw 2 or Saw 3? 2. Incorrect. Ah! <laughs> Saw 3, they go up each time. They go up um, each time. Okay, so damn it. Saw 3 has 9 kills. 9, okay. And then finally, Saw 3 or Upgrade? Okay, let me think for a second. These guards. Upgrade. 
Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah, they kind of have gone up each time. I know. I, I just had this. I'm like, upgrades got to have more kills. I mean, you know, there's the guards. Then there's there's a lot of collateral damage in upgrade. There is. There is. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, okay, fantastic. Finally, then, what can people expect from your Invisible Man? For people maybe that have seen the 30s version but know nothing about yours, what can they expect? Well, it's, it's a very modern film. It's not in any way set in the past. It's very much uh, connected to our world. And I would say it's like a suffocating thriller. Really tense. It's one of those movies where you're squirming in your seat because the suspense is so hardcore. Absolutely agree with that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Before we wrap up, uh, we're going to recommend another feature of the show is we're going to recommend each week a B-movie of the week. Uh, Ali, you've got our B-movie of the week recommendation I this do, week, have you I not? do, I um, do. I have some hot trash for you. Excellent. I want you to, if you can, try and find a way to link it to The Invisible Man any way you can. That's your challenge Bye. for this okay. recommendation. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to start talking and then I'll find the link. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I watched 1991's The Unborn. Mm. Have you have you heard of this film before? Mm, no. I have not. Okay, well, it is very um, capable. It is, uh, well, the thing about it is that it's not the best film, but what it is is that it is an all-star crew and cast from a horror background. So the director in his debut is Rodman Fletcher, who you may know from Leprechaun 2. Of course. And Idle Hands. But I think the biggest draw here is that it's produced by Roger Corman. So you know, you're like, oh, well- he knows what he's doing. So, I mean, he is the, the pop pope of cinema, as they say. So um, it, it also is starring Brooke Adams. So Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Dead Zone. Um, it has James Karen, who I remembered immediately from Poltergeist. Um, mm. But he's also in Return of the Living Dead. He plays a, a crazed OBGYN. So Love it. Always a good time. Love it. And there's some really fun cameos from Lisa Kudrow, pre-Friends, and she's a brunette. Oh, wow. I love it. Yes, it is, is really... Is, is this the role that got her friend? She had three <laughs> lines in it. So maybe... I love it when actors like that have early appearances in these kind of crappy horror films. Yeah. It's like Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun, yeah. isn't it? Which yeah. she now tries to hide from her Yeah, maybe that's uh, how they got together. It's like yeah. because they were both in Rodman Fletcher films there or something. There you go. She can never hide it. And <laughs> <laughs> never hide Leprechaun. She'll always be the woman from the Leprechaun. <laughs> and then um, we also have Kathy Griffin playing a new age lesbian who's teaching Lamar's classes. Love it. So Perfect. just just some moments to really entice you to watch this. There's a small demonic child that ele- electrocutes her brother. And then she's rubbing Brooke Adams' pregnant belly during the funeral for the brother. Oh, wow. Uh, there's also Kathy Griffin's demonically impregnated lesbian lover murders her violently with a hammer while screaming, the baby needs my love now. <laughs> oh my Jeez. god so and i need to check this out i mean ooh, it's worth it i watched <laughs> it on a on a rainy sunday afternoon and i can tell you it was time well spent and then finally the fetus when it's finally born uh kills its unsuspecting father with a knitting needle just lobotomizes him right through the eye Eesh. so basically she's carrying this child and james karen who's playing the uh the kind of satanic uh doctor he is you know, responsible for the baby not being completely human. It's it's not satanic. There's no cult stuff. It's sort of he's trying to create a superhuman and uh, the babies are all evil and they're killing the mothers. But she she actually aborts the fetus, but it, it survives and it comes back. And then she it starts it just starts killing everyone. 
So, I mean. Wow. It, it was a great film. Um, there was a pretty high body count. So that's how I might tentatively connect it back to The Invisible Man. I mean, right. it was a fetus okay. out to murder everyone in its path. And I feel like The Invisible Man was also on a similar rampage. So. Yeah, similar amount of carnage there. Yeah, there, yeah. W- there was a lot of carnage. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, the Unborn. That. that sounds good. I'm going to track yeah, that down. It was, it was not that great of a film overall, but I think... <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. But there were some redeeming moments, and I had a good time. I'm in it. I'm in it just for Lisa Kudrow. She, like I, I said, she's lines. in it for about three lines. That's fine with me. She's a very chipper receptionist. Yeah? Does she die? She does not. Okay. She does not. I'm in. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us for another death-by-death breakdown of a classic horror film. For more Kill Count content, check us out on Instagram at Kill Count Pod and Twitter at Kill Count Pod. You can also watch tons of great horror content on Fear, the home of horror on YouTube. All links are in the show notes. Join us next time for another episode of Kill Count. Kill Count is hosted by Ali Penelope, Mike Munzer, and Dan Yakuno. Produced by Jay Cunningham and Jake Yard. Edited by Jamie Maisner. Social media by Ugne Dereshkevichuta. If you're still listening, hello. Uh, we're going to bring you a little post-credit treat here, and this is going to be something that happens every week on this podcast. Uh, a little feature that we call Horror Haiku. So one of us is going to have written a horror haiku about a particular film. They're going to read it to us, and we have to try and figure out what that film is. So this week, Dan, you are writing this week's horror haiku. Take it away. Norwegian horror. Don't you dare steal their treasure. A whole lot of fun. Oh, it's a lovely haiku, Dan. Thank you. Ali, any ideas? The first, the word Norwegian immediately throws you off terrified me (laughs) because i call into question my knowledge of any norwegian horror films Mm. it's it's a film that you don't immediately know it's norwegian Norwegian. you know it's foreign but you wouldn't guess it's norwegian are you allowed to give us hints um well i guess the haiku is the hint don't steal their treasure i'm gonna take a punt you you know no i don't know for sure and i'm not 100 percent sure if this is even norwegian but i'm gonna take a punt (laughs) troll hunter that's a good guess. That's a good guess, but it is incorrect. And I think it is Norwegian, so you weren't, you weren't wrong. Okay. I just thought Treasure, and the only th- film that came to mind was The Goonies, but I realized that that's not a Norwegian <laughs> film. I mean, you never and know. it's not even technically a horror film. No. Um, so you might have me stumped. Yeah. I thought this was an easy one, actually. So kind mm. of, you let me down here. Guys. Can I take one more guess? You can take one more guess. What's the Father Christmas one? Rare Exports. <laughs> It's not the fun. Okay, I I give up then. I give up. It is Dead Snow. Oh. Oh. Good one. Yeah, I I thought you'd get it. I'm sorry if... No, that's good. That was a good challenge. That was Mm. a good challenge. There's probably a lot of listeners screaming into their... Podcasting device. That's yeah. That probably was more obvious than uh, than we gave it credit yeah, for. Yeah. <laughs> Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.